Yeah, rest, it, rest in peace, his wife. I don't know yeah. what to say about it. Yeah, <laughs> it is always sad to find out things. Like, people are always just like, yeah. Was she famous? Uh, no. Then who cares? <laughs> Get rid of her. <laughs> yeah. That's what he gets from marrying early. <laughs> I like the way it's even worked into the Wikipedia. Like, uh, Michael Jace is an American former character actor and convicted murderer. <laughs> like, he used to be a character actor, but now he's a convicted murderer. They, may, they <laughs> might be running productions and, you know. In prison? In yeah, the, clink. The, the long con. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Richard Linklater style. Uh, pr- in prison movie. Yeah, someone does a Bernie for him. Yeah, <laughs> starring Julian from The Shield. That'd be a great movie. Just in, like, just just how stupid it'd be. Like live, like a theater troupe in jail, just performing <laughs> plays. Like a, there's like movies like that where it's like a group of actors, and it's like you're supposed to like. I, I don't. I can't think of one right now. But like, basically, like that Mike Birbiglia movie about improv comedians but for like theater actors there there is an prison. art house movie uh like that i i'm trying to look up the Same title like, i believe it that has to be a movie that yeah exists. exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah no uh yeah caesar must die is this uh the the taviani brothers do you guys know who they i've never heard no. of that he's like italian like d-level art house <laughs> filmmakers but it won Taviani's. the golden bears uh the golden bears um is that the venice yeah, uh, no, Berlin. It's our festival. Oh, oh. Yeah, we gave it the, the bear at Berlin eight years ago. Golden bear? The bear of Berlin? Well, you know, the extended clip awards at the festival are the real ones. No, I, that's the, true. The, the bears and whatever, we ignore that. But anyway, this movie is like uh, these inmates uh, prepping for their own production of Julius Caesar and like taking oh. it really seriously. And like, you know, they like they stage so much of it clearly like it's it feels so unnatural and i i really hated it honestly it sounds i mean it's yeah it sounds pretty i didn't know there was i i was expecting just i thought you pulled up a movie just about act but it's exactly what i was thinking about yeah just like a, literally like <laughs> these these art house freaks are just like yeah let's get these prisoners to freaking do shakespeare and it's going to be beautiful even though they're you know going to be in prison for a long time oh wait like, is it actual real prisoners yeah too? it's a documentary oh. it's a scripted documentary it's like they stage mean, every yeah. they like went to a prison and made them do a bunch of shit on camera basically <laughs> That's yeah. I, it's pretty I, sus. I you know yeah. I I watched it in film school for some reason, and you know I I just thought it was bad then, but uh, it's it's quite morally reprehensible when you think about it. I swear there was like that reminds me of I don't remember if this was like someone who used to go to like my old college who did this or this or this was like an established person who did this and it was just like <laughs> hack, but like documentary like interviewing like hookers or something like that or like i don't know just like i hate that type of documentary where it's like we're gonna find someone on the edge of society and just be like what's your what's your view on everything you know what i mean like and we're gonna treat them like they're not some sort of freak well yeah like in a hunter s thompson you yeah, know what like i mean gonzo film yeah because yeah. of course there's probably like a nice way to do that or whatever yeah, yeah there's yeah, a yeah, yeah yeah do you know uh i think it's shirley clark's uh, portrait of jason mm-hmm. that one's just like it. him yeah. just chilling and talking that's like a good way to do that yeah. kind of thing but like yeah, yeah like sometimes like they'll have that feel like i'm going out into the to the wild and yeah. seeing like a, the wild world there's a lot of that i feel like type of bullshit on instagram with like homeless people where oh, it's just yeah. like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna exploit <laughs> some homeless people for some likes homeless prank 
you, uh, not even not <laughs> pranks, doing like a dresses nice up thing as a homeless just guy. like uh, just taking a picture of him showing their story. <laughs> That's like, why have I not seen that before? That's like, like uh, what's that show that uh, Jonathan Cunyonez? Uh, <laughs> what would you do? do? Yeah. Jonathan Cunyonez dresses a homeless man. <laughs> I was gonna say why have they? I mean, I'm sure someone's done that, but like all those variation of you know YouTube homeless social media, you know stuff like here? that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the actor from The Shield is in prison for killing his wife. That's true. Rest in peace to uh, the wife. Rest in peace to the character, I guess, because the show's over. So it's Shield like, reboot? Vic well, Mackey I, have he to would be in prison. You know, break I him out of prison. Yeah. yeah, I guess you got to break him up. But I'm looking here. I didn't realize he had been... Get the gang back together. <laughs> He's like a long-time actor. He was, his first role was in Forrest Gump as Black Panther number two. Uh, he makes some very small roles also at Boogie Nights and Strange Days, you know. He hangs uh, around. It's a shame that former character actor and current inmate Michael Jace had to do what he did. I was well. well I don't think he had to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to look into those circumstance <laughs> yeah. there. I was thinking while watching the Shield too. It's like um, Michael Chiklis and like Catherine Dent are like the stars mm-hmm. of the show. It's like even TV shows, it has to be like a big actor. Like you know, there's there's. Why can't we have, you know, a Michael Chiklis type like Catherine Dent? I saw Catherine Dent in like an episode of Frasier or whatever. And it was like she looked exactly how she looked in The Shield. And it was like kind of I mean, it's a testament to her. But like she looked exactly the same. Yeah, that's going to freak me out now. I, I, I don't think I've seen that episode of Frasier since I started watching The Shield. Damn. I have to look that up now. Catherine Dent <laughs> Frazier. Sorry, this is not very entertaining listening. But uh. I, I, I was I was actually telling my parents. I was on the phone with my parents today, telling them to watch The Shield. My dad, my dad thinks it's like uh, he. Every time I tell him, he thinks it's like a, a show from the seventies or something. I'm like, <laughs> you should remember this, but. And like he calls me an old man for watching Frasier and the Shield. Oh, it's the one where they fucking go. Uh, they they like have the the dinner party at the the beach house, and then they have to like disguise a dead seal or something yeah, like that. Yeah, very very strange. That's like, a that's a weird episode for sure. Because I think <laughs> Frasier is acting like strangely horny in that episode. It's one of his weird horny episodes. He's he's clout chasing because she's like a she's like a producer because he's still he's still without a job. So oh, like, this is Frasier's unemployment yeah. season. I forgot. I yeah. love that there's a season of Frasier where he's unemployed. He just doesn't do shit. <laughs> it's like it's basically the same show except no. Well, now he's no, a podcaster. Yeah, exactly. Um, we took all that back route without finding a segue back to our topic, and that's fine. Sometimes you just got to jump on out of there and get back to the topic. Sometimes you got to fill in the I mean, minutes. I think there's a there's a cop killing his wife kind of a, a thread there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, when, you, when you tease out all of the threads of the violent cop and, uh, you know, reality and fiction interspersing, I guess you will find a couple of similar threads as in our topic today, the 1997 film by Takeshi Kitano, uh, Hanabi, or Fireworks. Malcolm, you picked this one out. Why? And thank you in advance. I don't. We haven't done a Takeshi Kitano movie on we the podcast. I think that's the first time we've ever said his name on, on either I remember episode. you plugging Getting Any uh, oh, a good any amount, point. but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, maybe maybe we've we never said his full name. You know what I mean? Wow. Maybe we've yeah. I was calling him Beat Takeshi. Yeah, Beat Takeshi because we're so familiar. Yeah. But I mean, someone I like I've watched a few movies of. I haven't really delved into their filmography. But I was thinking like this is a popular guy. People watch his movies. I like him too. Like I like him. Oh yeah. A considerable amount. You know, great charisma as an actor and one of the great you know uh, actor directors of our time. One of the last great 
probably actor mm. directors out there. And uh, so I thought it's like we got to give him his due. And I've and this is one of his big movies that I've never seen before. And you know, I just used the the old Patreon as an opportunity to dig into it. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of his uh, most overall acclaimed film as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like his biggest thing as a screen presence. Obviously, his his TV work is what like rose him to stardom. And uh, even throughout his filmmaking career, still like a huge impact in that front. But. Uh, in terms of his reception from our end of things, you know, you know, look, we like watching goofy TV shows too, but we're, we're a film podcast. And uh, th- this was really the one that apparently in Japan even solidified him as like a super respectable, like artistic director, despite the fact that he had, I think, four films before this one. Uh, Takeshi in an interview like attributed this to being taken seriously as a filmmaker and not just like a comedian who likes to also make films. And with good reason. It is a real deal fucking classic movie. Yeah, and like, you know, I, I've been trying to go through stuff kind of, you know, in somewhat of an order. And like, yeah, of course this has a lot of similarities to like Violent Cop or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But obviously, yeah, there, this is kind of a step in the more subdued kind of direction, really kind of leaning into like a melancholic tone and... Yeah, I, I, I could see why, why uh, you know, this solidified him as like an artist. But I think what makes him great is kind of how he, you know, meshes kind of like the genre filmmaking with kind of like more uh, artistic flair. You know, what people consider to be a more like, quote unquote, I- intelligent filmmaking. But mm. what's really intelligent about him is how he considers both, you know, at the same time. Yeah, this was my uh, first uh, foray into his filmmaking, and I went in, like, pretty damn blind. I always enjoy uh, when uh, one of you boys has a pick, and I'm just like, I don't know what this is, really, and I get to go in blind and figure out from there, and I, uh, I don't know, just the mix of, like, a very calm, melancholy, peaceful tone with just, like, bursts of extreme violence was, uh, I don't know what I needed. <laughs> yeah, and I like how that that kind of slow burn thriller uh, element kind of takes hold uh, for the last 30 minutes because I would say for the first hour plus, it is this thing where you're kind of uh, oscillating between this slow art house drama, really melancholic tone and these bursts of very excessive and stylized violence where that slowness becomes more of, as I said, slow burn suspense the second half, Uh, whereas the first half, it's like really you're kind of just getting on the wavelength of Katano's character and like his deadpan uh, reactions to everything and kind of the way that uh, as a filmmaker, he builds this world uh, according to his own deadpan performance. Like everyone is a beat slow, you know, and the cutting represents that and the staging is so sparse, but also always like obfuscating stuff uh, from the foreground, never getting that, you know, never getting quite as perfectly clean as you would think he would. He, It's just like, I don't know, it, it's a great sense of mise-en-scene that he builds out from the beginning that he uses for just pure suspense for the last act of it. No, yeah, it is. it is kind of built around kind of his deadpan tone and kind of like, uh, you know, he's great at like kind of not responding to people's questions, Katana. Like that's one of uh, his great, you know, acting tools that he uses here, including like a lot of, uh, you know, good face twitching and uh, yeah. 
yeah, I like I feel like that that tone is, you know, is so important to, you know, to the movie, you know, to the point where it kind of goes out of its way to establish that. And then you kind of get like this thriller element kind of pumped up into it. But like, I, I just love the way it kind of uh, kind of cross cuts between, you know, uh, Nishi, you know, Katano's storyline and then his partner, you know, who's doing kind of like this art therapy thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, his partner, it's really there's really no driving plot with his partner you really just kind of see him kind of go through field look at flowers and then use those for for inspiration and uh yeah i don't i think these scenes are you know directed you know very well like i love uh how he like incorporates like the drawings themselves you know into like the sequence of events and uh yeah, yeah i think it's it's an interesting choice to really spend this much time with like you know this is you know his former uh, you know, detective partner, you know, who's now handicapped, but I feel like it, it just shows how much tone is important to this movie. Yeah. I like that. It oscillates between those two stories because I feel like it offers like, I don't know, sort of two different like perspectives or ways on like, I guess, wrestling with like a violent past. And I, I don't know, there's just something, uh, the, that's just so peaceful and nice about seeing the the very pleasant artwork, but I don't know. It's uh, really melancholy. Mm-hmm. Well, the artwork is like yeah. taking these peaceful things and making them totally demented too. Yeah. Like it'll yeah. show a flower that he's very inspired by. And then that flower will appear dead in his painting. And like the, like the flower is the hanging head of a disappointed woman, you know? And it's just like this crazy, depressing, abstract paintings that he does. And all the paintings are done by Takeshi Kitano also, which is uh, nice to point out. You know, he really has his fingers in all the pies in this movie. He also edited the film as well as writing and directing it. Um, And we should say just like what generally happens in the movie. Um, so as we said, Takeshi Kitano, you know, he plays a cop. He's on a stakeout with his partner and a couple other cops. They're like, hey, man, we're right by the hospital where your sick wife is, who you always ignore. Why don't you just like say hi to her for once? <laughs> uh, before that, even, he sees some kids playing baseball on the street. One of my favorite parts of the movie, just these kids playing baseball on the street, goofy outfits and everything. <laughs> he just gets the ball and he's going to throw it back to them. And he just releases it completely sideways just to <laughs> kind of get rid of the ball and then he just kind of stares kind of smirking at the kids for what feels like a whole minute and it's such a great introduction to the deadpan comedy that's going to come out like throughout this movie even in the harshest circumstances but as he visits his wife we get a match cut from him lighting a cigarette to a gun firing uh the the yakuza members that they were staking out shooting up the police squad sans katano as he's just visiting his wife uh helpless to the situation as we said his partner uh has a very tragic storyline that follows the partner is paralyzed in the shootout and his wife and kid left him because he's just a crippled ex-cop so all he can do is paint and takeshi Uh, feels like all this guilt for that and also like one of those cops died so he has to like kind of deal with that guy's ex-wife girlfriend kind of character and you know despite the fact that they tell him you know obviously there's nothing he could have done uh he's just shouldering all of this guilt and is no longer a cop himself now i I believe off screen he quits i'm sure there's a lot that's kind of elided narratively um but 
yeah, it, it, once you get into that rhythm of like everything being established and you get that like, he's just making, he's making visits with the people who are grieving and he's making visits with the Yakuza who he's borrowing money from, uh, one, to get by and two, to support uh, his former cop uh, partner and uh, the family uh, that uh, like of the deceased cop. And of course, the debts get him over in his head. Yeah, the debts get him uh, way over his head. And what is he gonna do but rob a bank? And how is he gonna <laughs> rob a bank? He's gonna go to a scrapyard, find a stolen taxi, repaint it as a cop car, and uh, go quote unquote back on duty for one last shift. And uh, that's just so sick. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what I love about like Kitano and just like kind of his instincts in general, because like, you know, him going to, you know, dress up uh, his that taxi car as a cop. I feel like there's more focus on that. Just him spraying the taxi white than there is, you know, maybe than the actual robbery itself. Yeah. And and like, I, I don't know, there's just a, such a great use of like silence in his movies, whether it's just like. I don't know, kind of like whether it's the flashbacks or kind of like characters just kind of, you know, hanging out by themselves. Like, I feel like he he implements silence in a way where things like they actually sound like silent. You know, there's not a lot of like like a background, like, you know, like small background noise. It really is like super, super quiet. Yeah, the sound mix puts like room tone and background stuff really, really low in the mix. Like no matter what's happening, kind of. And it almost feels kind of surreal and dreamlike even in scenes that are supposed to be played, you know, kind of straight ahead. But yeah, and I feel like it just takes interest in stuff like like him kind of spray painting the taxi white and like, I don't know, like I, in turn, it, you know, gets the viewer, me, you know, more interested in kind of like these small details and like, I don't know. And then some stuff, you know, some of the, the more flair, you know, stuff or, you know, like the violence, it's kind of like delivered in a way that's not necessary. Like there's a lot of blood. It's like brutal. But at the same time, it's like kind of succinct and like somewhat, I guess, you know, unsatisfying. You're not you're not admiring the violence for like the sick moves. So he's very quick and very just like kind of like what needed to be done. Yeah. A lot of times it'll be like somewhat off screen and it's like the pool of blood is on screen or one body part is on screen. He's using the negative space in the violence, uh, just as much as he's using it in conversation and kind of just as elliptical as he is with the narrative on the whole. I love that first meeting. He takes the Yakuza guys in the bar when he just stabs the dude in the eye with the chopstick. Oh, hell that is yeah. just fucking insane. Like the, he, the violence really packs a punch in this movie. You really fucking feel it. It seems like every person, <laughs> it's so funny. Like every, like almost every guy along the way, he just has to, he has to whack at a yeah. certain point. So you're just kind of <laughs> like waiting for, uh, you know, his decision, you know? Um, so yeah, as we said, he's borrowing money. Uh, he wants to support his ex partner's art project uh, which, as we said, kind of just kind of gets more and more depressing as he goes, too. <laughs> it's like he's finding more and more inspiration kind of through this art, having this therapeutic experience. But it just the art itself becomes so depressing. And, uh, of course, ending with the one that's titled Suicide and just has this huge splash of red paint in the middle. And that's like after a pretty touching scene between Takeshi and his wife, we cut to that. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty 
downhill movie from here. Like it's, you know, we, we could ride high on the action for a minute, but a pretty depressing scenario. Well, I like the uh, kind of turn to like the road trip with your dying wife at the end there. Like, I don't know uh, that. I mean, because it's also a part of the more, I don't know, I feel like where he's on the run a bit, but it combines that tone there where it has those moments to sort of be quietly reflexive. Mm hmm. And also kind of goofy, too. Like yeah. They, you know, they, they take a photo together with a self-timer and a car just like slowly drives in front of the camera. And they both are kind of just deadpan for a minute. And then they're both just laughing. And I think that that like release is so great. After so much of the cathartic violence is over with, they are able to like actually laugh at things and not just have these deadpan reactions, despite the fact that the film is still moving at this very deliberate pace because there's still this very impeding doom for both characters. You know, you'd have to think Katano's character, you know, after that bad event, he could look at the bright side, you know, he could spend some more time with his wife, you know, even if, uh, you know, she's, you know, ailing in the hospital. But, uh, you know, it, it is, it is, it is, because it is kind of funny how, like, it seems to just, well, not funny, it's sad how he, like, ignores his wife at first. And I don't know, yeah, seeing those moments whether it's like kind of like pleasant or it's just like kind of like quiet and like just kind of nice like that. It is, it, it's a good uh, kind of like very, very like light amount of sweetness to this movie that kind of uh, and I mean, adds a certain balance. I to think it. it is funny that like he has to go through like this fucked up turn of events to like reconnect to his wife True. before he yeah. like kind of old yellers her. <laughs> um, old yellers. Dang. <laughs> well, that's one way to read the ending. I was going to say, oh, I mean, I, I, fair enough, yeah, it could not. I be mean, that. he's been he's been he's been taking care of people been throughout the movie. Care of business. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, before the very ending, the last uh, like run in with the yakuza is insane. It's just in this completely whited out uh, like resort looking thing, and they're just <laughs> in the snow in this white car, and he just takes out all of them uh, after re injuring the guy he stabbed in the eye in the beginning. He's now wearing an eye patch. <laughs> Uh, and it's just this like quick and swift violence in this completely whited out area. And you get this beautiful overhead shot of him uh, killing the last guy and then getting out of the car. But then like that overhead shot on a crane like does like this crazy 360 motion and yeah. then swoops down to kind of follow him for a little bit. And it just feels like the most ridiculous like kind of camera flexing moment that you have until uh that crane shot at the beach at the very end no yet because like there, there's something you know very well measured to the camera work here and it kind of fits the tone and everything else in the movie but then yeah like like you said that that sequence really kind of provides just some some crazier stuff i feel like it the, there are like some bolder you know imagery decisions as things like kind of go along like even one that's a little bit more understated kind of like when He's at him and his wife are at the church or whatever, and oh, there's yeah. like a bell, and like you know the dad tell there's a dad and his kid, and he's telling the kid, hey, don't ring the bell. They leave or they go towards like the arches, and then like you know Katano showing the kid to go his own way, you know, rings the bell. That's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And then like you get like that that kind of like very distant shot of like. Uh, it's like, I think, is it the kid in the sun? And then like, like yeah. these two cats almost like kind of framing them in the doorway. Like it's just, 
very like a yeah, it's, it's almost like, like he set up the camera in there and just waited for that perfect moment almost it's like the two cats and the the older man and the kid all just like kind of pause at the sound of that church bell and uh it's just Takeshi joking around with them kind of yeah. but it's like such a beautiful moment using that wide open space and the silence and the kind of protracted sense of pacing um that just uh just hit a little grace note on along the way before he goes and kills like six dudes <laughs> in, in five minutes <laughs> i mean that's the best part about any you know road trip movie you know not quite a road trip movie, but there's a good portion where it's a road trip it's like yeah along the way you got to hit some grace notes you know as yeah. a director well i mean the title uh scene the fireworks scene yeah. is just incredible where they're just having a little uh nighttime outdoor picnic kind of thing and uh yeah, I don't. I don't really know what to say. There's a goofy little gag where he sets off, and you know uh, the fireworks aren't going off, so he like goes to mess with it, and then it explodes right in his face. Pretty funny. Uh, but then the fireworks up in the sky go off, and it fades over her face, and then goes back to the paintings of his friend. And I don't know, just the uh, the poetry and the artistry. Uh, alongside the melancholy of everyday life, I feel like are all tied together there, as well as the scene where he's spray painting the car and it fades back to the the paintings that his friend is making as well. And it's like, sure, maybe if, if you're looking for a statement on uh, like art and life and tragedy and stuff, it's like maybe you're not going to find the most coherent thing, but it is all kind of right there for you to just pick at however way you see fit, you know, especially with the kind of ambiguous ending. I feel like, this whole movie is somewhat open to interpretation with what it's really trying to say about all those elements. No. Yeah, exactly. Like you could unpack, you know, maybe find something, but it really is kind of like small moments alongside the movie that kind of just hit, you know, certain notes, especially through, through editing too. And it's, it's, it's good that, uh, Kitano edited that, edited this because it just makes him even more talented. But like, yeah, sometimes like his, uh, because, you know, the way he, like, cross-cuts kind of before in the beginning with, like, kind of between that incident, you know, the incident where, you know, everyone gets injured and murdered and, like, the present, just, like, I feel like just uh, strike certain tones of, like, kind of, like, uh, just reflecting on the past and, like, how it's affecting, you know, the present and what. So just, yeah, a lot of great editing that hurts cer- certain emotional notes in the movie that, you know, that's what editing was invented for right there. I'm just full ACAB. I wasn't touched by any of the melancholy in this. I like all these fucking pigs got what they deserved. Their the wife deserves to die too, just because she married a cop. That's wow. true. I mean, if we're going into the the you know the copaganda anti copaganda realm, you know what I mean? These wives are responsible for who they marry. They know who they're marrying beforehand, and maybe should those characters in the fantasy realms in which they inhabit and in real life, maybe the women are responsible too. So maybe you're saying you don't feel bad for uh, Vic Mackey's wife and the the sho- the the load that she's shouldered with with her sick kids. <laughs> that's I mean, Vic, well, if it's about the kids, that's entirely different. I'm I'm always about to save the children, <laughs> believe, believe children movement. Um, but uh, that is rough. Vic Mackey bringing home a um, a sex worker's wife, uh, a sex worker's kid for her to take care of. You know, oh, yeah, I forgot and her just about being like, arc. "There's nothing going on. There's nothing going on." And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> that is an intense episode where he just has to like chill with this uh, prostitute while she like detoxes off of crystal meth so he can 
interrogate her for information. <laughs> it's like, look, you got to watch this girl's kid. <laughs> Vic, that's the best part of the show. It's like making Vic Mackey like somewhat a hero too. Cause it's like, you know, of course it's playing with the, that ambiguity, but it's just like, wow, this guy really does everything you could ever do in like a day. He does like the worst thing in the world and the best thing in the world. And that's what makes it okay. You do the awful things and amazing things. You do the worst thing in the world one day, you do the best thing in the world the next day. That's what putting on the blues all about. It rules. It Um, rules. The ambiguous ending, though, so like these two uh, cops come to take him away uh, after his violent crimes have been exposed. And uh, yeah, Katano has two in the chamber. We see off screen as like this little girl is dancing and you know like these cops grant him just like a a couple minutes to just sit with his dying wife at the beach and look out at the ocean and uh, then we hear two off-screen gunshots and the possibilities hey you never know although i guess jt if we're gonna if we're gonna let's do let's become cops ourselves here (laughs) we're gonna you know let's go to the crime scene yeah, the silence s- here is you know, the silence here. It's kind of a long distance for him to go run up, yeah. pop the cops. Probably is probably is him and his wife that he took took out of this earth. <laughs> <laughs> could, be, could be, could be. There's also quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of time for those guys to come up to take True. him away. They could have just walked up right behind him. You see, like the footprints of, of where Takeshi was coming from to sit there with her. You see, like what you don't see the cops on screen. You, they're off screen for that whole time mm-hmm. even that crane shot but uh don't you, you never know you see him like the shot of him loading his gun is that before the cops arrive that that's when they're in the rear view mirror behind him oh, yeah, yeah before yeah. he talks to them yeah so I, you know they could have walked up to him said hey man it's time to go and then he just shoots both cops yeah. that's true we're good we're good or yeah. maybe he shoots one cop other cop shoots him i was gonna say maybe he just fired a couple in the air for the hell of it. <laughs> yeah. Could be. It's been a hell of a life. <laughs> Could be. Because you get, a, you get that reaction shot from that little girl who's on the beach, true. but it's just complete indifference. Like, yeah, she just true. then takes on the Katano stone face reaction. <laughs> Still, well, that makes me think he died and spirit went into her. So Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm back and forth here. Um, <laughs> I guess that's it. Any, yeah. any final thoughts on this one? JT, do you are are you are you excited to go back to Katano? Yeah, eventually, I, I think I want to do another. I mean, this like was not what I was expecting at all. And uh, are his films like similar in tone to this? Yeah, like, I mean, I I had just seen a Violent Cop a couple weeks ago, his directorial debut. It strikes a similar tone, but not as melancholic, just yeah. in terms of the pacing. And I think that's what really opens it up for him in this movie is like attributing that uh, kind of art house pacing to a melancholic feeling rather than just like the slow burn of just Takeshi being a violent cop for a hundred minutes. Yeah, that's that's what I. Violent kinda... cop is just him being a yeah. violent cop. <laughs> it's a good. Mo- it's a really good movie, but it's not quite on this level. I think. No. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I feel like his his kind of sense of pacing more than anything else is something I kind of uh, stamp him with. But also, I've never. I've seen him be funny in movies, but I, I've never seen like a funny movie. He's. I need to see him be funny. Oh, I'm, dude, I'm getting sure... any is exactly. the funniest movie. Like that. That's the one oddball in his filmography. I think he made it like some somewhat as a fuck you to the studio that he was under contract for or something like that, mm-hmm. where 
Uh, it's just this insane kind of sketch comedy movie that spins out from the premise of a guy wanting to buy a car so that he can have sex in it. I want I want to watch. He did a movie with uh, I think Omar Epps in oh, like wow. two thousand. It's called like Brother. <laughs> Literally, it's called, I think it's Rush Hour exploitation. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I'm, it might even be too much for me to say that. But yeah. it, it seems it seems like that one could be fun too. God damn it, I was going to pull it up, and then I just pulled up my browser, and it's just that Frasier screenshot, <laughs> him getting Catherine arrested, Dent. Catherine Dent looking shocked. I think we just got to watch some Frasier, boys. That's uh, That's got to be this week's bonus. <laughs> for for ourselves. <laughs> no, that was it. Like, I'm calling it a wrap on this week's bonus. Oh, I get you, I get you. So we I get watch you. some Frasier. Yeah, man, fire it up. Oh, boy. All right, uh, we'll see you on the main feed for uh, Bergman and Mamma Mia next week's Patreon for